Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Coupe podcast, the podcast where we chat about, we talk about all things Porsche and its owner stories again today. Uh, owner stories number 28. That sounds like a lucky number, actually, but we're up to number 28. Um, today I have, uh, who do I have today? I have Jeff coming in, and Jeff is going to join me very, very shortly uh, from San Diego. And Jeff is enjoying experiencing his first Porsche. Um, I don't know a lot about Jeff's story. I've seen his Instagram. Uh, we've chatted briefly through DMs on Instagram, and I really wanted to have him on because what I like about owners' stories is that, you know, <clears throat> we have all different types of owners, whether it be your first Porsche, your third Porsche, whether you have one, whether you have three. Um, I like the variety. I like how everyone has a similar story, but a different story at the same time. And that's what, you know, that's what owners' stories was always all about. That was the way how I always... Uh, you know, saw it, you know, each Porsche tells a different story and each owner has a story to tell. And that's what it's all about. And that's what, that's what we're talking about today. And that's what we talk about on each of these episodes of Owner Stories. So if I sound a bit hyped, if I sound a bit odd today, uh, I record these in advance. It's only one week in advance, actually. I've actually pretty much caught up or it could be two weeks. I'm not actually sure. It could be one week. Um, but I arrived back into London from Bahrain on Friday. For some reason, I'm not sleeping very well. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit wide, I'm a little bit tired, but I'm awake. Uh, I'm excited to do this one. I'm going to get Jeff now on the line because it's uh, it's five o'clock here in London and it's time to connect and time to chat about all things Porsche with Jeff from San Diego and his uh, Porsche called Owner's Story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Uh, welcome back to Owner's Stories um, number 28 with Jeff coming in from San Diego. Jeff's here, he's connected by Zoom. Hi Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Michael. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time out on your Sunday morning. Pretty early there in San Diego. It's only what nine a.m. Isn't it? It's nine a.m. Yep. It's beautiful. Uh, it's like su- summer just started here. It's been uh, seventy high se- mid seventies high seventies past couple of days. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, London's not too bad. It looks a bit dismal out the window there, but it's actually <laughs> quite pleasant for London. It's actually not that cold, and and it's not raining, so that's the main thing. Um, so, uh, just so the listeners know, Jeff, uh, like a lot of people that come on Owner Stories, reached out to me through um, Instagram. Uh, always the best place. Always the best place to um, to contact me to get in touch if you want to be on one of the Owner Stories. So that's that's where you can get in, get a hold of me. As I said in the intro, I'm not really talking well today. I'm still a bit tired. I haven't slept very well, so I'm going to get this back into line. Um, so Jeff's here. Uh, so Jeff, I always like to start this podcast and I always like to start it with, with the similar question or the same question is, you know, when did you first, when did you first start thinking about, about Porsche? When did you start thinking about, uh, buying a Porsche? Uh, when did you start first noticing them? Was it, was it when you were a kid? Was it when you were a little bit older in life, a bit later in life? Um, how did the Porsche bug start with you? Yep. Yeah. For me, uh, it was when I was a young kid. So I, uh, I was always into cars, you know, I had little matchbox cars and Tonka trucks and all that. Um, and we lived next door to a guy and next door neighbor had a uh, 76, uh, Chevy Corvette. And I thought that was the coolest car. And okay. uh, a couple of years later, he got a, a Plymouth Prowler and I was like, Oh man, this that's awesome. All these cool cars he has. Um, and I just always thought that the shape of the 911 um, and just Porsches in general uh, was very neat, kind of iconic in, in how it looked. Um, I didn't know much about cars at the time. You know, I was 10 years old or so. Um, and my first Porsche memory specifically actually kind of ties into the car I ended up with. Um, I remember reading a car magazine when I was young and reading about uh, Porsche coming out with the Boxster. It was, uh, yeah. you know, I always kind of thought, oh, Porsche, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford one of these cars. You know, people growing up, you know, it's a third car, a fourth car. How, how will I ever be able to get this? Um, and then Porsche was coming out with this cheaper, you know, we call it an entry-level car. Uh, you know, the article said to save the brand and all that. And I was like, oh, man, this, this is designed to be a convertible um, you know, I, I always loved the look of a, a classic uh, Roadster, uh, kind of the two-seater convertible in a car specifically designed to be the Roadster. Um, so that that was kind of my first memory it was actually an article about a Porsche Boxster. And I said, all right, someday I'm going to be able to own and drive this car. That's going to be my goal. Um, and then my grandfather, uh, you know, I was young again. I was probably, you know, between eight, 10 years old at the time. 
he always used to joke with me. We'd drive by homes and he'd point out a house with a porch on it and say, oh, look, there's your porch. Maybe someday, you know, you'll get, <laughs> you'll get a porch like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so, he wanted to be the one. Uh, go ahead. So it, so it, it was more the Boxster that, you, that attracted you. It wasn't the 911. You, you, you always wanted the Boxster. You liked the shape of the Boxster better than the 911? Uh, you know, I liked, I liked the appeal of a convertible. Um, okay. and I love the shape of the 911. I think the 911 is an iconic car. Um, at this time, you know, I think the 993 was out. Um, I'll be honest. I, I don't know that the 993 is my favorite iteration of, of the 911. So right. I think that, that kind of pushed me towards the boxer, but yeah, I, I still, Started off always wanting a, a convertible and loving the, the look and style of the 986 Boxster. Yeah, I mean, there is, in, I've always mentioned this before as well, but there is something about that Boxster that even when it first came out, you know, it's the it's the width of the rear, <clears throat> you know, the side of the rear, you know, the, the, the balance of it on that side view. Um, and I noticed the picture on your Instagram, you've got a picture of the side view and it's, there is something so iconic about that, you know what I mean? And, you know, the Boxster is, you know, it's, it's a nine. It's a Porsche. I keep saying nine eleven. It's a Porsche that, um, you know, is is important. It's important in the range. It's been around for twenty five years. It's not going away. It is very popular. Um, and you know, even the podcasts I've had with you know uh, Stephen from Australia with his uh, his uh, Boxster. You know, those episodes are really really popular. Um, it shows you that the Boxster has a lot of personality. It has a lot of, you know, it appeals to a lot of people for for obvious reasons. You know, it is like you said, it's a roadster. It's not like the cab in the 911. It's a little bit, it's different, you know, it's a different car altogether. So what cars before the before you got your Boxster, what sort of cars did you go through? Did you have anything that was a sports car, Jeff, or was everything just, you know, like a, a daily car that you needed for work, et cetera? Uh, it was, yeah, my first car was a Jeep Wrangler. So probably the complete opposite of a sports car. Um, I love that car. Uh, it only had a soft top. I, I got rid of it for something more practical, and it was a uh, a Saab 9.3. That was a 2008 Saab 9.3. Okay, nice car. Um, yep. I, I always wanted uh, kind of a, a sportier car, but I was also leaning towards a, a sedan uh, for the practicality. Uh, so, you know, I was looking at uh, the Saab 9.3, and then after that, I moved to uh, an Audi A4 um, okay. here in San Diego. That was my first car out here. Uh, the Saab actually caught on fire. There's a story to that. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, when Saab, you know, went out of existence, it became very difficult to to find parts. So the insurance company just said, uh, that's it. It's totaled. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I went to an Audi A4. I loved, loved that car. Um, it wasn't the Quattro and this was 2010. So it had a 220 horsepower. It wasn't, wasn't anything crazy. Um, I moved to New York City then and sold my car, didn't need a car for a couple of years, um, and then moved back out to San Diego here in 2018. And I was looking specifically for a 2015 A3 uh, Quattro. Okay. And I found that car in Connecticut, and I was driving that car uh, for a while here in San Diego. And I, I mean, that's kind of, to me, was, was the perfect compromise of sedan, sporty, small. I've had a roof rack fit my surfboards. I have a one-year-old son, so it was great for when he was born. You know, I could fit the child seat in the back. Um, okay, so you've got – A3 is a great car. I had, a, I had an A3. I had a 2000 A3 um, years ago, um, A3 Turbo. A3 is a great car. A4 is a good car. Um, so you've got the A3, and then you start thinking, okay, I want something better. I want – I want to get a Porsche. Is that how it came about? Was it a Porsche that first came into your mind then that you wanted to change your A3 out or was it something else? So I, I've been looking uh, for a Porsche, specifically a, a 986 Boxer, uh, probably pretty seriously ever since I moved back to San Diego. So that would have been late 2018. I started looking and, I, you know, probably like a lot of people who listen to this podcast almost every day at some point I'm looking on auto trader. I would look on Craigslist, you know, just kind of following the prices, seeing what's out there, um, you know, and always having that internal debate, like, Oh, this car available in Florida, you know, how much would it actually cost me to go over to Florida and drive it back and, and yeah. something like that. Um, so I was always, I was looking for probably a year and a half before I found this car. Um, and it ended up being kind of a, a perfect situation colliding. 
Um, so I ended up getting a company car uh, where I work uh, around the same time that I found this Boxster. So I didn't need the Audi anymore. Um, okay. you know, and I was, I was getting rid of the Audi and said, all right, well, now I have this, this car that I can daily drive that's practical. It was a, a sedan. I can fit my son and everything. Well, now I can, I can get that second car. All right. Um, so the opportunity yeah. opens up. You don't, you've got a daily so you can get your fun car. So you start looking for the Boxster. Was there a reason why you didn't look f- why you wanted the point two over the point one? Uh, the, yeah, a couple reasons. Uh, so the, the point two, the, I guess the big draw to me, uh, from a practical standpoint, it has a, a glove box. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah. it's the one thing I, I, you know, I thought that was kind of silly that the first iteration didn't, I, I understand why. I forgot about uh, that actually. Yeah. Um, I like the, the three spoke steering wheel. Um, and then the, the point two has kind of a modified, uh, front and rear bumper. It's a, a little bit different. Um, and less, uh, less Amber in the, the front lights and the rear lights. And I know, I think, I think the Amber looks really good on certain colors. Um, but I think that's a short list of colors for me personally. And I I think that's actually coming back in style now. Yeah. I think the point to the, the, you know, the subtle changes that Porsche made to it did make it look better. Um, I, for me, the main thing in the, in the point two, and if I was looking at buying at a Boxster, it'd be a point two primarily because it has the glass rear window on the top. It doesn't have the, um, the plastic window, which obviously gets discolored and, and scratched over time. Um, yep. That's quite an important one, I think. Yeah, and um, I've, I've, heard of, I've heard of folks, they have to do, they call it the Boxster chop, where you're lowering the window, you have to get out of the car and, and hit yeah. it, especially if you're in cold weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you, you know you're going to get a point two. You're looking for a point two. Um, so you're looking on, on uh, the local car, the online car sites, etc., where do you find the car? Where does the car appear? Do you go through, is this the first one you found or did you uh, inquire about other ones before you found this one? Yeah, so I, I had found a couple here. Being in San Diego, there's no shortage of convertibles. Um, so I had seen a few uh, and reached out to some some local people um, and never really got to the point of going to look. You know, it was just going back and forth about about prices and, you know, the, the typical response would be, oh, someone's coming to look at it tomorrow. I'll let you know if it's still available. And they would, they would kind of um, disappear. Um, so this one uh, that I ended up with, I actually found on Auto Trader, um, which, and that's a site here in the United States. I don't know how yeah. common that is yeah. internationally. Um, and it was at a used car dealership up in Los Angeles. Um, and I know the reputation used car dealerships have. Uh, my Jeep Wrangler I mentioned was from a used car dealership, so I've dealt with kind of that that side of things. Um, you know, some shady uh, businesses, but but I uh, it had everything I wanted. It kind of checked all my boxes. I reached out to uh, one of the salespeople up there in Los Angeles and said, you know, hey, I, I see this car on your website. Um, it had, uh, for me, what, what really helped was the Carfax report, um, okay. had something like 30, uh, 30 service reports on it. So I could tell, you know, the car had been taken care of and it was specifically serviced at a Porsche dealership in Orange County. Um, so that gave me some peace of mind. Okay. So you went and viewed the car personally or you, you, you went and picked up the car? I, I did, yeah. So I, I called the the salesman on, I think it was a Thursday. Um, I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this car. I, I've got to work. Um, I'd like to come see it on on Saturday if it's still available. And, and he said, uh, you know, a number of people have come to look at the car and, and someone was had just left and was going to come back and consider putting a deposit down on it. Uh, but the car is currently with my upholstery guy, you know, getting one of the seats repaired. So no one can actually come look at the car until Saturday. Okay. Um, so so I think you'll be okay. Um, so yeah, I, I went up um, to look at the car uh, that Saturday and it was still available. I was a little wary of it getting picked up by someone else because I thought the price was fair uh, for the mileage. So uh, we went up uh, when the dealership opened. So let's let's tell the listeners, Jeff, what you actually bought. I mean, they would have seen it in the title. <clears throat> but what did you what did you find, and what and tell us exactly what you bought and the color and, and the options that came with this car, if you know yep. what the options were. I do. Yes. So I I bought a 2004 uh, Porsche Boxster base, um, 
and it had 105,000 miles on it. Um, the color was uh, a midnight blue metallic, and I can go down the list of options here. Uh, blue seat belts, um, seat heating, 17-inch 986.2 S wheels, so it's got the Boxster S wheels on it. Okay, nice. Um, the wheel caps with the colored Porsche crest. Yep. Um, and then a storage box, and this is option code 584, storage box including speakers on the engine cover. So the car that I bought did not have speakers on the engine cover, <laughs> so that's okay. something uh, I'll eventually probably add back to the car. At some point, that was switched out. So I guess you have to be quick with the boxes, don't you now? Especially with, it's a manual, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, so especially with an, a, a 986.2 Boxster and a manual, they're hard to come by. And especially yours is actually a really good color. I think midnight, I, you know, for me, midnight blue, the silver, the yellow for some reason in boxes look really good as well, but I think, and the black. But I think the midnight blue is probably one of the picks of the colors. And there's not that many of them, are there? It doesn't seem like many come up for sale on the sites I look at in the UK and Australia anyway. Yeah, no, I don't see many blue. It's a, a lot of silver. Um, you know, every once in a while you see kind of the, the diamonds in the rough. Yeah, like the midnight blue. I, I love blue cars. I've had a bunch of blue cars. So um, it was a natural pick for me. Uh, you'll see greens pop up. I, I love the green color, but that's also very, very rare, though, isn't it? Very the green rare. is yeah. very, very rare. I saw a green once, I think. That's it, once. So yeah. you go to this dealer in Los Angeles, right? So you go to the dealer. Um, what were your first impressions when you saw the car? So you go there, the car's still there. What were your first impressions? Uh, I think my first impression was that it was it was beautiful. <laughs> um, it looked like it had just been detailed, um, you know, as, as they would have done. Um, so it looked great. Uh, there were, you know, and this is, again, classic kind of used car dealership for anyone who's ever bought a car from a used dealership. Um, there was a tear, you know, in the, in the soft top that I'm looking at. I'm like, man, that's that's not repairable. That's got to be replaced. It's got to be replaced, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, you know, I saw the repair they did on the driver's seat, and it looks good, and it's held up now a year later. Um, but I think eventually that might need to be replaced. Uh, but overall, my impression was, you know, for for the price the, the car was listed at, it was a fair condition. And assuming nothing was wrong mechanically, uh, it, it was uh, exactly where it should have been. So it had 100,000 miles, is that correct? It, it did, yep. 100, so 100,000 miles, Did you? was there a solid service history and solid uh, owner history? You knew how many owners had had the car or was it a bit sort of vague? I, I did, yeah. So uh, the only uh, service history I had to go by was the Carfax report. Um, and are, are you familiar with Carfax? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I know I've checked Carfax on my own cars before and it's, uh, it's shoddy at best. You know, I've definitely had a car that's been in for service and, and then I've sold it and looked at the Carfax report. And I'm like, Oh man, those five trips to the dealership, none of those are on here where I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> had yeah. all this work done, yeah. you know, and that, that to me would have been a good thing. I would have been able to show, you know, Hey, this was all done. I, I had receipts, so it wasn't a problem for me. Um, but yeah, the Carfax for this car had, uh, like I said, I think it was 30 um, records um, and it had 105,000 miles. So I saw the clutch had just been done at 100,000 miles. Um, the water pump had been replaced. The brake pads were new. And then again, another used car dealership tactic, uh, you know, new brakes. And yeah, the pads were new. The rotors are uh, need to be replaced <laughs> right, right, right. So did you, you know, my favorite question is, did you get an inspection done or you just, did you trust the dealer? Did you trust your, your sort of, you know, intuition? What, what did you do? Did you get an inspection? Uh, I did not, no. And I, I think uh, I, I had mentioned it to the dealer and he had enough interest in the car that I don't know that he would have let me uh, drive it off the lot for an inspection. He might have let me bring someone there. Um, so I, you know, I had a list of things to check for, you know, fluids, um, the brakes and, and, uh, dampness in the trunk. It's a common, you know, the coolant expansion tank leaks. That's a common problem with the 986s. Um, so I looked at all that, you know, I checked the brakes, I checked the tires. Um, I was comfortable, uh, in my research, uh, that I at least had a, a good enough understanding of what I was looking at, um, any major problem would, would come to me immediately. And I also took it out for a, a test drive. We went into the hills in Hollywood. Um, okay. 
and uh, and yeah, nothing. You know, the clutch wasn't slipping. The clutch was brand new at the time. Um, okay, so you did you fine. did the basic you did basic research, so you knew the main errors to the main areas to look for basically for the box, so the main things of, of concern. Um, so the car had a new clutch. This was done just before you bought it, was it? The clutch. It was done five thousand miles before I bought it. So, the, and the the clutch was replaced a, a thousand miles later. And we can get into that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was replaced. Okay. So when yeah. they replace the clutch, they always re, they always do the IMS. Was the IMS done at the same time, or was it done earlier, or has it not been done? Right. So this this was a key piece of me looking at the car. I had seen, and this is a mistake I made that that hopefully anyone listening to this podcast uh, learns from this. So I saw the car had been serviced at a Porsche dealership, uh, basically all its life. So it was a, a two owner vehicle. It was uh, it was a leased vehicle, um, and then someone bought it uh, a couple of years later and had owned it ever since. Um, okay. And then they they ended up trading it into this dealership. Um, but I I saw that the clutch had been replaced and thought, oh okay, from everything I've read, you know someone replaced the clutch, you know, they probably did the IMS bearing at the same time. Um, what I learned after buying the car from talking to an, an independent um, mechanic here in San Diego is Porsche dealerships specifically do not replace the IMS. You know, they tend to go with, you know, uh, you know, it's designed fine the same way they didn't end up covering yeah. its replacement. Um, yeah. So I, I learned that the hard way and ended up uh, getting it replaced. But um, yeah, that's something to to note. If the car's got a solid service history at a Porsche dealership, it's it's kind of a double edged sword there. <laughs> yeah, I guess if they if they acknowledge that they've changed the IMS, that sort of admits their fault, doesn't it? It does actually admit that they've, they've there's something wrong with it. Exactly. Which yeah. They don't really want to do. Yeah. All right. So you you you've done you know you've looked over the car. You're at the dealer. You know it's not going to last very long. You know they're quite sought after, especially in manual, especially in in point two. So you do the deal there and then you decide that's it. I'm going to take this car. Uh, I I did. Yeah. Yeah. I went for a drive and uh, I loved it. It was everything. So this is my first time actually driving a Porsche was when I drove this car. Okay. Um, fantastic. And it, it was everything I expected it to be. Um, you know, it was had 105,000 miles and the suspension had never been replaced. So there were some some creaks, but, you know, okay. nothing that that was uh, unmanageable. So, yeah, I, I put together a list of. You know, I, I had inspected the car. I saw the soft top needed to be replaced. The passenger window regulator was clearly broken. It was making this terrible creaking noise that uh, people would be familiar with with a 986 or 996. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, went to the went to the guy, the salesman, and said, you know, hey, here's what I think this is going to cost. How about we take it off the price? And, and yeah, we made the deal uh, right there, and I drove the car home that day. Okay, so you got a slightly better price due to the things that he would have known had to be done as well. Exactly. Yep. Okay, so tell us that feeling, Jeff, because it's—I know people who haven't had a 911 before. And we've had many people on a 911 or a Porsche or a Boxster on the on the owner stories before, and it's that first drive. It's not really the test drive. It's that first drive when you're alone with it and you drive back home, or you know whether it be a long trip or a short trip, and you start to realize what you've actually got. How is the feeling? Yeah, it was uh, it, it was amazing. Um, so it was a beautiful day um, in LA in Southern California. Um, so yeah, I, I left the dealership immediately, uh, put the top down, dropped all the windows. Um, I got on the freeway. Um, anyone familiar with LA? It was you know late morning on a Saturday, and there was bumper to bumper traffic, and that was awful. <laughs> um, there's nothing like jumping back into a standard transmission and having to sit in bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, once I got out of Los Angeles and down into Orange County and San Diego, uh, just cruising down the, the freeway and the, the oceans right there on the five uh, in San Diego, it, it was amazing and, and kind of uh, surreal for me. This was a car I had wanted for you know twenty years uh, plus, and to actually you know have it in my hand, sitting in the car driving it home, I I, I really couldn't believe it. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling, isn't it? So, okay, so you get the car home to San Diego. You, you're living with it for, a, you know, a week or a car. When did you buy the car? What month was it? Uh, I bought it in May. So you bought it in May. May of 2020. So, okay, so you've had it for, you know, almost a year. You start to get used to the car. What things started to appear and you thought, well, I knew I had to repair these. I knew I had to get them done. Um, were there more surprises that you didn't know about or was it pretty much what you expected? 
Uh, no, I, I actually didn't have any new surprises uh, in, in driving it myself. So I, I didn't notice anything. Um, I immediately took the car to get the, the oil changed um, and asked a, a, the mechanic who did that, you know, hey, can you, can you run it over a quick inspection? He lifted the car up and I was there looking at it. Um, kind of as expected, the suspension was, you know, all the rubber bushings were, were done. Uh, they needed to be replaced. Right. Um, so we saw all that, but I, I expected that. I mean, I, I heard it, you know, as I went over bumps at slow speeds, you could hear it creaking. Um, so none of that was a surprise. Um, the hood struts didn't work, you know, but I knew that was an easy, easy replacement on yeah. my end. Yeah. Which happens to everyone. Those ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no real surprises. Um, but I guess my first surprise with the car came, um, a couple months later. So I bought the car in May. Um, I was driving it around, um, you know, throughout May, June. Um, everything was great. We've got some great roads here in San Diego and being summertime uh, was even better. So um, I decided it was time to, to really start considering the suspension refresh that I wanted to do. Um, so I took it to another mechanic, not the gentleman who had, who had done the first inspection. And, you know, he said, well, before I do any work on your car, let me let me get it up on a lift and, and take a look. Um, and as I was driving it in, and this was in July, I think, it, it had started to develop a really bad uh, creak over bumps. So okay. so typically your your drop links go or your, your tie rods or control arms start going those bushings and you'll, you'll hear a, a kind of a, a thud as you go over a bump or something. Um, this was different. It was very loud and very prominent on the uh, left front fender. I could hear where it was coming from. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't know enough to know what it was. Um, so I drove it in and he looked at it and the uh, upper strut mount was uh, failing on the front okay. of the car. Um, so that was kind of, that was the first, you know, oh shit, or excuse me, uh, oh crap moment. You know, yeah. I'm going to need to do this. <laughs> Um, I can't really drive the car. I don't want the strut, you know, to puncture through the fender as I'm yeah. driving it. So uh, you, you, you took the car to a Porsche specialist or it's just a general mechanic that you trusted? Uh, no, a, a Porsche specialist. Porsche um, specialist. Yep. So was that, so that was the first thing you had to fix? How were the, I mean, normally when you get a car that's, you know, 20 years old or, or close to 20 years old, obviously, like you said, it's a suspension. It's the tires. The tires haven't been changed. You know, they yeah. could be original or very old. Um, the clutch, you said the clutch had been changed, but you had a surprise. So the first thing you do is get all the suspension up to up to speed, up to... Yeah, so I, I actually haven't finished on the suspension yet. So, so probably the first thing I did, I did the oil change and I knew from when I purchased the car, the front tires, I think they were seven years old and they were starting okay. to show... Um, the cracking. So the, the rear tires were fine. I got the front tires replaced, um, but not a surprise. I, I knew I, I had to do it. Um, so yeah, I went in and, and my thought here, so I had now learned about, you know, the fact that a Porsche dealership wouldn't have replaced the IMS bearing. Um, and I said, oh, well, if I'm going to spend, you know, all this money, basically the value of the car on upgrading the suspension, I don't want the engine to fail on me. I don't want to spend, yeah. you know, $6,000, $7,000 and then the engine fails. So I'm going to, for, for me personally, I'm going to replace the IMS bearing. Um, and I know that's a very heated topic. Um, you know, I'm on, on the Facebook groups um, and all that. I, I, think, I think it's one of those things where if you're going to invest in the car and, and I want to have this car for a long time, for me, it seemed like a no brainer. I could understand if I was going to leave the car stock and just ride it out, you know, would I have spent the money on the IMS bearing? Pro probably not. I probably would have just let it go. Um, I guess the, the debate is the fact that your car has a hundred thousand miles. Um, and people say, if it gets to that sort of mileage, then you're pretty much okay. I mean, you've read those, those comments on the forums, right? Where other people say, well, it still could happen. Um, it's not an easy decision because also the the um, IMS solutions aren't guaranteed for aren't guaranteed forever. They only last X amount of years or X amount of kilometers or whatever they put on it. So right. <clears throat> I'm interested actually. So you buy a Boxster. Um, you know, Boxsters are vary in price depending on the condition. Is it really seven seven thousand US dollars to fix up the suspension? It it depends on what you want to do and it depends on um, who's doing the work. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I, I think you can buy, 
Um, you know, you can buy springs and struts probably for eight, eight, this is US dollars, $800, $1,000. You, you could probably do most of the work yourself or have someone do it. It's, it's not the end of the world to have those parts put in. Um, but then once you start adding in the, the tie rods, the control arms, um, the CV joints and, and the rear axle, um, the parts get up there in cost. Um, you could end up at a couple thousand dollars just in parts alone. Um, so then you do all that and you need to have it aligned, um, you know, and, and you can go to your local alignment shop or, you know, in my case, I'm going to uh, uh, the name of the shop for anyone in San Diego is uh, Volig. Uh, so he specializes in, in building uh, race cars okay. and, uh, and the like. Um, so, so that's I, my that's my question, Jeff. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. So are you okay. upgrading your suspension? Are you keeping it stock OEM or are you making it just that little bit better? So my my ultimate goal is to to completely upgrade. Yeah. So I'd like to put coilovers on the car. That's okay. that's my plan. Okay. I'm not there yet um, because of the cost I mentioned. Right. I'm um, kind of you know my plan is to have this car for a long time. It's not something you know. Oh, I bought it now. I need to get everything done right away. Um, so I had to have the uh, the upper strut mount done in the front, like I said. Um, so while the whole suspension was taken apart in the front. I had the control arms replaced. I had the tie rods done. Um, I had done the drop links myself um, and I do standard drop links. And now when I do the coilovers, I'm going to have to switch to an adjustable drop link, um, which is fine. Um, the drop links are an easy job. I, I know uh, it's a common uh, thud that people hear on these cars if, if anyone wants to do it themselves. So you're saving a little bit of money here and there by doing some of the work yourself, are you? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so I had that, that work done. Um, and I am, I am not a mechanic by any sense of the imagination. Okay. Uh, but yeah, my, my thought with this car was I would, I would learn, you know, kind of as I went. Um, so yeah, the drop links was the first suspension piece that I did myself. Um, you know, I, I'd like to do the spark plugs coming up. Um, the hood struts, you know, so, so some of these basic items, yeah, I'm okay. trying to do myself, but once we get into alignment and, and, and the real, uh, suspension bits, you know, I'm, I'm not really comfortable doing that. And I, I'm okay paying someone else who really knows what they're doing to, to do okay. that work. That makes yeah. sense. So let's go back to the IMS. Um, makes sense that you're getting the IMS done. Um, yep. you know, you're going to keep the car for a long time. Boxers are only going to appreciate, they're only going to go up in price. Um, you know, considering how low they are now, really, they're only going to go up in price. So it's a good investment. I still think Boxsters are, are going to be very collectible in the years to come. So the IMS, what solution do you go with? Do you go with LN, LN Engineering or do you go with someone else? Yes, I went with LN Engineering. Um, and that was, uh, you know, because of LN Engineering's reputation. I think, um, I, I don't know for a fact, I don't know enough about them uh, to know if any other brand is is inferior product or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I just know if someone asks, you know, an enthusiast or anyone else, if it's been done, they're looking for that LN Engineering sticker. Or they're looking for the paperwork that says yeah, LN true. Engineering. True. They want to be able to search it on their website. So it was something, you know, I, I got a quote, I think, for another product, and it was a couple hundred bucks cheaper. And it just it just didn't make sense. It was, you know, why why do that if I can get the the real deal, you know, and and, and do the Allen engineering. So to do the um, IMS now, US price is about fifteen hundred US, is it? Uh it's in that ballpark. Yeah, I think it was between fifteen hundred and two thousand, somewhere around there. Okay. So the IMS it's been done. You've had that done already? So yeah, so so that was where my first surprise came in. So like I said, the the clutch had the been clutch. done at a hundred thousand miles, yeah, and uh, and I got it at one hundred five, and I bring it in. So they drop the transmission. They, he replaces the IMS RMS, um, and I, I went up there to check it out. You know, I wanted to see it. I was interested in, in seeing it, and he showed me the transmission. And we're looking at the clutch and flywheel, and he's he's like this clutch, you know, and it's again five thousand miles. This clutch has about 50% life on it. Um, So, yeah, there was whoever had owned the car before. And then I looked back in the service records and the clutch was new at 100,000 miles. And then the clutch was replaced previously at 90,000 miles. So whoever owned the car. How could you go through a clutch with so little miles? That's very, very low. I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, very low, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So just, and that's kind of what, what the mechanic, he was like, look, someone's 
completely abuse this this clutch. I thought you were going to um, say that they said it had been done, but it hadn't been done. I thought that's what you were going to say. No, so they no, just no, no. had literally so, worn the clutch out in five thousand miles. Yes, yeah. So wow. uh, and he was like, you know, I I can put this clutch back in. You know, it's got fifty percent life, but I've got the clutch down on the ground. Yeah. Why don't you just at this point, you know, just buy a new clutch? I'll throw it in there for you. You know, the labor costs is zero because the clutch has already come out it's got to go yeah, back in that's good peace uh, of mind you'd have to do it though jeff wouldn't you you had to do it yeah, i mean that's yeah, that's yeah, that peace no of mind then at least you know the ims is done the clutch is done the rms is done so that's all sorted yeah. um and then a, qu- a question i know i know people might ask uh so the ims bearing that came out it was fine it was fine okay it was fine yeah yeah that's interesting isn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i guess you know it may you, not be fine in years that. to come. You don't know that exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You still, it still gives you a better feeling when you're driving it, and you know that it's been done, and you know you, you know, protected. I so, so to speak. Okay. Um, all right. So you've done the IMS. You've you've got a new clutch. Uh, you're revitalizing. You're changing over the suspension. You're making it, you know, that little bit better. Um, what else do you have to do? Uh, yeah. So so I. Did a couple of items myself, and then I had the shop do a few more. Um, so one of the uh, major things I noticed was the car at idle. Um, it, it almost had a, a heartbeat to it, where it would, it was really rocking back and forth. And I, you know, I, I didn't know. Uh, again, this is my first Porsche and my first my first um, you know sports car, so I didn't know if that was normal. And I was talking to him about it, and he said, "No, the, the motor mount probably needs to be replaced." And I. I did some searching and you would see when you went hard into gear, I would actually feel the the engine kind of throw, throw itself backwards. Um, so yeah, I did the motor mount um, and that was a, a debate there of whether to go semi-solid um, or original with the motor mount. Um, the feedback I had heard on the motor mounts is if you go semi-solid, then you start messing with the knock sensors yeah. and it, it really becomes an uncomfortable car to drive. Um, you know, on the roads as a, as a daily driver. And I didn't want that. My wife likes riding in the car, so I didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, I did the motor mount, uh, the same time I did the clutch and all that work. So you went with the OEM mounts, right? Standard OEM engine mounts. Yeah. I mean, yep. Steve, Steve has said the same story actually, um, about his GT3 when he went to order house Hamilton, who we use in Sydney and he wanted to upgrade to more sort of solid mounts, better, mount, you know, different mounts, different brand aftermarket brand. And he was advised against it as well, just to stick with the OEM because the the ride would just not be that great. Um, right. So, and what I what I've heard is if you only if you only track your car, if you only use your car driving in the canyons, that the solid mount is great. It, yeah, it, yeah. It really helps with that weight transfer. But uh, you know, anything outside of that, it's just it just becomes uncomfortable. Yeah, you need to have a balance, don't you? You can't go too yeah. hardcore. So, how is the how's the sound of your Boxster? You know I like exhaust mods. How's the sound of your box? Is there something? Is there something planned there? Uh, yes, there is. So it's something. Uh, the sound is okay. Um, it's it's not amazing. You know, I, I had an Audi A3. Uh, probably sounds about the same as the A3. Um, it's nothing crazy. Um, so yes, I would like to modify the exhaust. Um, I do not want to have a drone. Um, so I've I've yep. read about the Borla exhaust and the Fab Speed. I know are are two that are recommended, but they both have drones at, at certain RPMs. Um, I reached out to uh, Fister. I know you've got the Fister exhaust. Yeah. Um, and it's something uh, I'm considering. Uh, so the only problem with Fister is they don't do core exchanges for the 986. Oh, okay. So the, the, the 986 muffler is uh, huge. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm looking at the desk in front of me. It's the size yeah. of the desk in front of me and probably 40 pounds. Um, and he just said, you know, hey, we don't, we don't just, we don't have room to stock, you know, cores of Boxster, uh, okay. 986 mufflers. Um, if, if they did core exchanges, that's something I'd probably do in a heartbeat. I'd probably buy it from them and do a road trip up to Northern California to, to have them swap it out. Um, so I, I've considered dropping the muffler, maybe do it myself and mail it to them, have them send it back. I'm also considering, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Pedro Bonilla and, and Pedro's board. Um, no, no. But, okay, so so Pedro Bonilla is a, is a Boxster uh, enthusiast, and okay. he's actually, we've got uh, Porsche Panorama is the, the PCA magazine. Uh, 
uh, here in America. So he's like, you know, the, their technical advisor on the boxer. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so he's got a, a board and there's the Pedro sport exhaust. Um, and essentially what, what his modification is, is it takes, I think it's an inch and a quarter or inch and a half uh, pipe and welds it to the uh, muffler intakes. And then the pipe goes around and goes directly to the exhaust on the back end of the okay. muffler. It's very similar to the Fister model. So similar to the Fister, yeah. So how does the yeah. price compare to the Fister, though? Because the Fister is getting slightly up there in price lately. I, I noticed, I went onto his website, Darren Fister's website, FD Motorsports, the other day, just to see the price of, um, for another 911, actually, another price price of the exhaust. And they're, they're getting quite expensive now. They weren't, I don't yes. think they were that expensive when okay. I bought mine. I can't remember them being that much. Yeah, no, and I, I looked actually this past week, I was looking, uh, and the price, yeah, the price went up uh, for the Boxer. I think it went up about $50, um, uh, probably since I was last looking, you know, a couple months ago. Um, so the the Pedro Sport exhaust, um, the, the PSE, as it's known on the forums, is something you can have any uh, muffler shop do. So I, I went to a muffler shop and and I, I took, you know, there's uh, the drawings and Pedro's got it on his on his website and uh, this is what you do. This is the size pipe you use. This is where you connect it. Okay. Um, and and they said they would probably be able to do all that work. You know, they wouldn't know for sure until they got it down. But about three hundred dollars. Um, well, for that money, it's worth a try, isn't it? Right. If, it, if other people have done it. Exactly. Yeah. And and you read that it's it's good. There's no drone. You know, you're still using the the stock um, muffler. It's just got this bypass, um, and it ends up being very similar to. Uh, the sports exhaust option on the boxer. And that's a very uncommon option on the boxers, at least from what I've seen. Uh, but it's a similar bypass um, right to the to Yeah, the and I think the, uh, those bypasses are good. I mean, like the Fista, you know, the, the main consideration for me, and I've said it many times before, is I didn't want drone inside the cabin, like what you said. I don't want that drone. I just want that, you know, that when you put your foot down, when you're in a certain gear, you get that that really nice sound. And Fista really does deliver that. Um, and I'm sure other exhausts, you know, like I know a lot of people are buying the, the sole performance exhaust systems and, and things like that for, for Porsches now. Um, but for me, you know, the Fister is, is a really good one. I have actually heard a Fister on a Boxster a few years back, and I remember it sounding pretty well, but I think it was a Boxster S. I don't think it was a standard Boxster. Um, okay. So I'm not sure how the sound differ, differs. Yeah, and then um, the problem is no matter how, you know, you watch a YouTube video, the exhaust sound never too hard comes to hear. Through, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can never understand the sound of it. I, I was trying to do that before I bought the Fister and it was just impossible to find the, the, the right sound. Yeah. Um, okay, so what about, the, um, what about the, 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 the gear? What about the gearing? What about the short shifter kit? Is that something you would get? How's the, how's the throw when you're on the Boxster? Uh, yeah, it's... It's something I'm considering. Um, so uh, the throw is long, um, and I know that's uh, that's kind of a, a critique of the Boxer. I think the 996 might be the same. It's probably the same um, as my 997, isn't it? They're probably very similar throw. How? I know uh, it's a it's a longer throw. So is the it? there yeah, there's two upgrades uh, that are recommended for the short shift. The one is just this. I think it's the standard 997 uh, shift kit, and that's what I've read a 20 percent uh shorter throw yeah that's what i have that. okay and then the and then there's the 997 short shift kit which then goes even further and I oh don't that's what i have yeah i have the short okay. shift kit for the 997 yeah and that's something like a 40 percent uh shorter throw so that's a drastic difference that's a lot um yeah um so yeah that's something i'd like to do so the the muffler um and the short shift kit are kind of on my my wish list, but not required. So I'm working through the uh, suspension first. Yeah, good idea. And then I'll, I'll get to the uh, you know the nice to have items. Good idea. And you know, let's go. Let's talk about the interior. Um, interior on Porsches, on 911s, on Boxsters, especially when they're you know 2000 upwards. You know, when they're close to 20 years old, they always have a little bit of wear. Uh, Porsche's not so great with some of their knobs and dials. They wear off, like the air conditioning buttons on the 997 are terrible, and I had to change mine. I had to change my <laughs> air conditioning unit. But the seats, the seats are always a bit of an issue, the bolsters of the seats. How are your seats? You said you had to have a repair done, but how is the general condition of your interior? Was it was it okay, or was it need a bit of work? Uh, uh, it was okay. It was okay. Um, so, yeah, the repair was just on the the leather attachment on the on the outside of the driver's side seat and I, I don't know whether it tore and they just you know shortened it and, and in doing that I think they actually tightened up the leather so it, it looks pretty good 
Um, but as far as where um, a common thing to go on these cars is the, uh, the screen on the air conditioning. Um, so that had, I think it's known as the rising sun on the forums. Uh, kind of started. Oh, yes, yes. It's a cheap fix, isn't it? I did notice that in your Instagram that you did that. That's a, yep. the LCD screen just goes blurry, doesn't it? The orange it LCD. Does. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the first month I owned the car, I had no idea what <laughs> yeah. temperature it was. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, you buy a new screen, you know, for what it is. I mean, it's $80. So it seems expensive for what is it is. Is that a Porsche yeah, part or is that an aftermarket part? Uh, it's a Porsche part. Yeah. That's oh, a Porsche part. Okay. Yeah. And, and you, you do that yourself. It, it just clips in, does it? I did. Yeah. You take it out, you know, the similar to how you would remove a, a stereo, you just slide it out and kind of the thing pops apart. You pull this little screen out, you can see the the damage in it, and then you just pop a new one in and put the whole thing back together and it, it works right away. Okay. I'll um, just tell the listeners before I actually forgot to tell them earlier. So if you want to look at Jeff's car on Instagram while we're talking, it's at midnight blue 986.2. So at midnight blue 986.2. Uh, Jeff's got a, a, an image of that, uh, that faulty um, screen and a few other things that you've done. Um, so what else, Jeff? Was there anything else so, you had to uh, fix? Yeah, on the on the inside. So I was missing a driver's side uh, floor mat, um, you know, and that's <laughs> something that goes on any yeah. car. <laughs> but that's um, the best way to freshen up your car when you buy an old car, isn't it? Just replace it, the front floor mats. It makes a huge difference. It is. <laughs> huge difference. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so I got I got new floor mats uh, from Lloyd Mats, the Alta Mats, which oh, I, yeah. would, I would recommend. They're, they're great. Yeah, they're great. Very um, nice. Uh, what else? The stereo. So my car had the factory stereo and I was okay with it. I'm not one of those that needs the car to, to be original, you know, for its life. Um, I was fine with keeping it, but uh, I found out about a week in that it didn't really work. Um, okay. It was stuck on certain radio stations. I'd pop a CD in and the same song <laughs> would play over and over again. And that okay. was driving me nuts. Um, cause I, I don't listen to it much, but when I drive the car to work, I like to listen to, you know, I like to listen to podcasts, um, when we're going on long drives, uh, you know, especially with my wife, she likes to listen to music with the top down and it's a, something to that. Um, so I, I took the original stereo out. I still have it. Um, okay. it doesn't, it doesn't work, uh, correctly, but if anyone, you know, ever, purchase the car they could have it with the car it's fine um and i found one that that slid right in and it has the color so i'm able to get it to color match with the rest of the interior okay uh which was great and i got so uh, your card you're not your boxer doesn't have the navigation right it just has the just the single din yep. just a single yeah, no one, navigation right. so yeah. what did you upgrade it to what what brand did you change that just slips in for the people who are listening who have got a boxster and looking for something what did you actually purchase yeah let me actually I think it's a pioneer unit because these things are always hard to find if you don't really know that that are easy sort of plug and play in a way yeah so i used uh clutchfield was the company i i used to okay. get the stereo and i'd recommend clutchfield to anybody um who's looking to do any audio um work to their car they they were great um the i believe it was pioneer i'm just trying to find the, uh, the yeah i've heard their name that. before actually they're quite well known aren't they in yeah. that field yeah. very well known um, but one item that, that was very, uh, let's call it annoying about changing out the stereo is with the Boxster they had, uh, excuse me, it was a Kenwood, Kenwood okay. unit. Okay. Yep. Um, they've got the, uh, most system is what it's called. M O S T. Yes. Um, and it's where there's the single cable that goes back from the, from the center console to the amp in the, in the front trunk, the front. Um, and then connects to all the speakers. Um, that was a nightmare uh, to change out. So I installed the new uh, the new unit. I was I had to pull the amplifier out. I it, I wasn't going to be able to get the amp to work. Um, I ran a new cable through the firewall to the front trunk. And because all the speaker wires were already there in the front trunk, instead of pulling them all back, I just ran this cable up to the front and and wired in um, all the existing speakers. And then. If, uh, if and when I do add rear speakers, um, I'll add a new amp. I'll need to add an amp to, uh, to okay. run all those speakers. So it seems like you're getting the car up, up to good shape, though. You're doing a lot of work on it. Um, what What is left that you want to do cosmetically? Is there anything you want to do? Any other mods you want to add to the car? Uh, there are a few, yeah. So I, I'd like to uh, eventually get the, the wheels painted. Um, okay. So my wheels, um, they're in good shape. Uh, but when you look at them, you'll... 
you'll see there are areas where they've been uh, repaired and filled in, but then not painted. <laughs> so the wheels uh, silver, but you'll see, uh, and, it, and it looks pristine from five feet away. And then you get up close and you see uh, yeah, they there's do a look, patch. And they do look pretty good. It's white. Yep. Um, so I'd like to eventually get those done. And I, I go back and forth. I, I had a quote uh, for redoing the wheels and it was for all four corners. It was $600. Uh, to just refinish them as they are, or $1,000 to have them refinished and then painted any color I wanted. Um, so I'm considering switching to like a gunmetal type of color on the yep. wheel. Nice, um, nice. Especially with the midnight good. blue, it'll look good. Yep, yep. Um, I'm considering getting the brake calipers painted. Um, again, this, uh, you know, and, and I know people would say, oh, if you paint them red, you're trying to pretend to be a boxer or a boxer S. And I, that's not what I would do. I'm actually considering yellow. I mean, you get the, oh, well, they're not ceramic brakes. They shouldn't be yellow. Um, I don't really care about all that. Um, but, but when you look at the brake calipers, you can see some wear. I mean, they're 17 years old with 105,000 miles on them. So it would just make them look, uh, look a little nicer. Yeah. The calipers fade, don't they? I mean, mine are like that on my 997. I think I think it's the front and not the rear. They sort of start to fade a little bit. Um, I yep. know some people take the wheel off and they can clean it up or they put wax on them and somehow bring back the color of the... Mine are just black. Um, okay. But I don't know if yeah. that works. But I think yellow is a good idea, Jeff. I think yellow actually works would work really well with you, especially if you get that sort of platinum wheel, um, right. you know, that Porsche color platinum wheel, similar to what I have, I guess, which is a platinum or that sort of color. Um, original Porsche color. I'm always a big fan of getting an original Porsche color wheel because then if you want to get the center caps, they match perfectly. Yep, um, and that so was that, my, my plan actually was to get the center cap first and bring it and just say, hey, how about you guys match match the center cap? Yeah, yeah, which is what I did with my wheels when I had them done in the UK and took them back to Australia. Um, I actually, uh, Chris at XL Wheels who did them, who's very, very good here in the UK, did them with the um, the actual Porsche color wheel. Um, that okay. was the wheel. And, so that means, out, and then he just bought the cap. Well. He bought the caps for me, and they they match perfectly. So that's yeah, yeah. And it's a you know because my wheels I had on my car previously on the Techart twenty inch, the previous owner put uh, the caps on, and the caps didn't match. They were like silver, and the wheel was like a grey sort of color. So it didn't actually yeah. match, which is really, which means you have to get them all sprayed, and it's just a hassle. Um, yep. So it looks like the the paintwork of your car is in pretty good condition too for a twenty year old car, like unless you've detailed it very well, but it looks like it's in pretty good nick. <laughs> uh, yeah, the paint, the paint, when I bought it, I was impressed with uh, the condition of the paint, especially considering the car had spent its entire life down here in Southern California, yeah. um, where it's sunny most of the time. So I don't know, again, if the previous owner had kept it uh, in a garage. Um, there's no real indication of any uh, paintwork having been done to the car. Um, I'd like to respray the front bumper at some point. Um, the previous owner screwed the license plate directly into the front bumper instead of using the brackets. Oh, okay. Um, so I want to get that repaired. And then there's a bunch of nicks on there. Um, I've decided to take the front license plate off. Um, I think the car looks a lot better. And if I ever get pulled over, I'm sure I'll put it right so back is that, on. Oh, it's not legal in San Diego? <laughs> not, not in California, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, it just fell off, basically. That's what you're it, telling It did, yeah. It just fell off. <laughs> this, the screw failed and I've got the big holes in the bumper to, to prove that. Okay. That's, that's good. Um, that's good. But, but yeah, there's a, there's a few weird edges of, of paint that I've found in the trunk. I don't really know how that happened. Um, but again, you know, I, I got the car for a fair price with 105,000 miles. So I, I'm not expecting it to be a concourse condition car and the paint from, from any standpoint, aside from me washing the car, um, looks great. It looks excellent. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it does. Um, okay. So, You've got the Boxster. It's a car you've always wanted. <laughs> you know I'm going to ask this question. Is, is this going to be enough for you? Is there going to be another Porsche on the horizon in the, in the future? Is this, is the bug, has this bug started where, you know, one is not enough or are you quite happy just to keep this one? So I, I, I'd always uh, like to have another one. Um, I was... Are you still looking? Are you still looking at classifieds? <laughs> I'm, I do still look. I look uh, almost every day, yeah. Um, it was funny. I was looking at one point, uh, maybe it was about a year ago at a, at a 996 C4S and I'm kicking myself now that I didn't buy it. I could have sold it and bought two boxers with the, uh, the yeah. price increase on those cars. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not currently looking with the intent to buy. Um, I was looking at a Cayenne, was looking for Cayenne GTSs for a while. Okay. Um, uh, something a little bit more practical, 
Um, I actually recently turned in the company car and bought a uh, 2004 Range Rover. Um, okay. And those come with their own issues. <laughs> um, doesn't have air suspension, does it? It does. <laughs> it okay. does. Yeah, one of them's already been replaced. Yeah. And it's it's in the shop now as we're talking. Um, it's decided the the coolant wanted to come out uh, <laughs> last week. <laughs> you realize how reliable the Porsche is when you have a Range Rover, don't you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that now the uh, the Boxster right now, while the Range Rover is in the shop, has become my daily driver, which is which is great. I love every opportunity to get in it. Um, so yeah, I was looking at Cayenne GTSs. I, I shied away from that. Uh, ended up with the Range Rover. Um, I think down the road, I I really like the uh, 997.2 uh, Targas, and I know that's not a popular car, the Targa. Yeah, it's funny you say that because. Um, Mark from the UK, who's got the Cassis Red uh, 3.2 Carrera. I don't know if you heard that owner's story. Um, Mark did, yeah. actually said the same thing. He really likes the Targa. And I kind yeah. of overlooked the 997 Targa. I have to admit, after speaking to Mark, I've been looking at them again. And he's yeah. right. It's that, that silver detail that goes around the window to the back, you know, mm-hmm. the line of that car. Yep. And, the, and the fact that they are quite rare, Jeff, you know what I mean? There's not that many of them. And they weren't, well, lo- they weren't loved. Let's be honest, they weren't loved. Um, right. But I think that car could be one that could become very, very collectible, you know? I, I really I think do. it will. I think it will in the future, and especially the 997.2. Yeah, um, yeah. For sure. I, I like, um, you know, now that I've got a one-year-old running around my house, um, the practicality of, of kind of the being able to lift up the back uh, window in the Targa to me that's that seems yep. great good idea yeah <laughs> um and then I'd probably go with uh I'd consider a PDK uh, uh for that car um for me I wanted something with the Boxster my, my car is basically as analog as it comes outside of um the uh the throttle it's an electronic throttle I think they switched in 99 um, but I don't have any stability management. The only thing I've got is, is ABS. And to me, that's, uh, you know, I want to become a better driver. So this, the Boxster is to me, the perfect car, uh, to do that in. Um, so a lot of people take the Boxster on the track because of the balance, because of the mid engine, because of the, you know, the, the whole feel of it. Is that something you'd like to do with your car or? Uh, it is, I think it's in the future. Um, yeah. And that's part of why I'm going with, uh, coilovers versus like a, okay. just a, a low rain spring and, and new dampers. Um, it's something I, I want to get into. Um, I, you know, the autocross here in San Diego uh, has been shut down right now. The parking lot uh, where it used to be uh, is no longer. So I know they're working on finding the new spot. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to get into autocross and then eventually do some some driver's ed days on the track. Sounds good. So there's a really strong Porsche community, Porsche club in San Diego? There is. Yeah. The San Diego region, uh, you know, they do last event I did, I did a a beer tasting with them a couple months ago. That was fun. Um, and then we did a drive in December. Um, and yeah, the community is so big here. They actually had to do two different drives. They had to schedule the same drive on two different weekends. Um, yeah. And that's been, that's been really, really cool and fun for me kind of getting to know the people here, um, in San Diego who drive Porsches, you know, I was behind a Boxster S for the entire drive and it was, you know, there was a 944 turbo behind me and it's just, it's just a fun mix, you know, and then there's GT3 RS. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I just want to go back to the, to the Range Rover, the Ro- Range Rover actually. So you, yeah. you were deciding on a, a Cayenne GTS and a Range Rover, but you bought the Range Rover. Was there a reason why you didn't end up going with the Porsche? Now you're a Porsche person with your Boxster. Is, was there a reason? Uh, I, uh, yes. Cost. Um, so was the, it, so the Range Rover is much cheaper. It, it is. Yeah, uh, it is. And it was, um, that particular year it's got the, uh, B8 BMW engine in it. Um, okay. and they're notorious for, uh, leaks. So that's, you know, like I said, I've owned that car a month and it's in the shop right now. It has oh, both okay. an oil and a coolant leak. Um, okay. but you know, I, I was going through that scenario and said, you know what, I'm going to get this Range Rover. It's going to be cheap. And even if it has, you know, I I went through the list of repairs that are common. If it has every single one of these items fail in the next three months, I can replace every single one in a separate instance going to the shop and still, you know, not have spent the amount of money I'll need to spend to get a 
to get the Cayenne GTS okay. I was looking at. All right, so, well, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that said, I, I think the GTS, the Cayenne specifically, is a great car, especially that first and second generation. Yeah, it's a beautiful looking car. The GTS, it's yeah. really nice. Even the turbo, the turbo and the GTS are really, really nice. Right. Um, so we're getting towards the end of the podcast. Let me tell me about San Diego and tell me about the roads that you've taken your Boxster on so far, or the roads that you want to drive on. And let the listeners know if they come to the San Diego area after the COVID lockdown and when people can travel again, where would you drive your your Porsche or your sports car? Yep. Yeah. So I've got a list of both favorite roads I like to take. And then I've got a, what I call my bucket list of roads. Um, so starting from least exciting, uh, I live downtown and I live in San Diego around the city. Okay. Um, I like to take the car and usually it's like a Sunday afternoon thing or a weeknight. Um, I'll take the car over to Coronado um, and drive down Silver Strand Boulevard. Um, that's down Imperial Beach, and it's a road that just runs along the uh, the ocean. It's nothing exciting. It's a straight section of road, but there's something really relaxing about the sun setting and the ocean waves and having the top down in the convertible. It's like a, a 30 minute drive I like to do. Um, my favorite drive in San Diego is uh, Otay Lakes Road and Lions Valley Road. Okay. Um, so that's out in a town called Hamul. Uh, it's about, you know, leaving from downtown San Diego, it's about a two hour loop and I'll go out on Otay Lakes road, drive to the end of Lions Valley road, and then just turn the car around and come back. And I think I've, I've done it three times in one trip once. It's just a super, super cool landscape. A lot of, um, the first part of the drive is really tight and technical. And the second part has a couple straightaways, but the really wild landscape, um, going through the forest out there. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so I, that's, that's the drive I do most often. Um, you know, it's two hours. I'll get away early in the morning. If, if anyone listening lives in San Diego and wants to go for a drive on a, on a weekend morning, you know, reach out to me and I'd love to take you there. Um, and then the, the next drive that I've now done twice, I did it with Porsche club, uh, goes from, uh, 78 in Escondido, um, out to Anza Borrega Desert State Park. And that's got a mix of uh, twisties and then uh, a big straightaway. So yeah, I did that with the Porsche Club. Um, and it was very challenging in certain parts. Um, and then the stretch going into the desert, I mean, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's beautiful. Um, and I could, Michael, I can send you a video of that. So you, you can should. Challenging as in it's very twisty or it's just very different elevations. Very yeah. Very twisty and different elevations. Wow. Both. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I know it's, um, it's exciting when you get a Porsche, isn't it? You know, you, you're thinking about the best roads and the roads and you find one you like and you just want to keep going there. It's just always right. like, I've just got to go there again. I mean, yeah. you know, the Royal National Park in Sydney, outside of Sydney, which people will know about people who are listening from Australia is a great, is a great stretch of road. Um, and another road called the putty road that, that I went on with Steve once, uh, which I'm going to do again when I get back to Sydney, cause it's just, you know, it's a good three hour drive and it's just fantastic and no, not much traffic, no police. Uh, it's just a fantastic place just to, uh, let it out, so to speak. Right. Right. Yeah. Just, it's relaxing. And it's funny. I say it's relaxing. My wife would beg to differ as she sits in the seat grabbing onto the grab rails as tight as possible yeah she's there yeah. screaming i'm like be quiet i gotta focus <laughs> are you sure you're not going too fast that's what they say are you sure you're not going too fast not at all yeah, yeah. not at all but she she's probably been the most impressed you know she's like i can't believe this you're taking these turns at these speeds and the car just stays on the road it feels like it's glued to the road it's, but but isn't that the one thing you've that you you kind of know it jeff but it's a weird thing until you get a porsche whether it be a 911 or a boxster you it's that thing, isn't it? It's it's the handling around a corner. It's the way you can take a corner and the speed you can take a corner compared to your Audis, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, and, it's, and it's a surreal feeling when yeah. you're, I mean, you're really going at, at it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just the grip and the balance and, you know, the weight transfer. It's just everything about it is just, is just quite amazing. Uh, it yeah. really is something special. And which is why we keep saying, you know, if you want a Porsche, you should get into it, you know, soon and not wait. And I think the Boxster is a, is a great first is a great first Porsche. Uh, it's a great car. You know what I mean? Um, the Boxster is a really really good car. And you know, anyone that's listening who's thinking, you know, I can't get into a 996 now because 996 prices have gone crazy, um, and 997 prices are now going even worse because of the 996s. Look at the Boxster because there's so many. You know, they're obviously a lot cheaper in the US than than Australia, um, but they're a great Porsche and not just a first Porsche. They're just a great Porsche. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I think you even said you were considering a, a boxer at one yes, point, right? I still am. I still think about it. Yeah. I'm still looking at them because, you know, they're slowly going up in price. But, you know, in Australia, they range from like thirty to 50000 for a 986.2. I think that's oh, wow. a boxer or boxer S, depending. But there's very few that come up, Jeff. You know what I mean? Especially in manual. Um, yep. Very, very few that come up, especially if you want a point two. Yeah. Yeah. Here in the States, you can find them. Uh, you know, typically higher mileage, but you can find them for $6,000, $7,000. I've seen them a little bit less. Um, I think the better examples are starting to go up in price a, a little bit, you know, but it's all relative. It's going up from, you know, it was $8,000, $9,000 a year or two yeah. ago, and now it's ten dollars or 11000 So it's still not a not a, a deal breaker. Yeah, and as long as you're realistic, like you said, you know that you're going to have to do things to it. There's going to be right. certain things that are worn out suspension, tires, all those sort of things. So as long as you sort of factor that in, um, it's still a really good buy. It's definitely a right. great buy. Um, Jeff, great story. Thank you for um, thank you for being on Owner Stories today. We always I always like to keep these to about an hour. And I know you've got an appointment in about an hour's time as well. So you've, you've also got to go. Um, yep. Is there anything? I just want everyone to uh, go to Jeff's Instagram, which is at Midnight Blue, 986.2. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast. Go over to Jeff's Instagram. Follow him, say hello. Uh, I know all the guys who have been on Owner Stories before will be coming over and saying hello to you because they all, it's become a one big community once you've been on these, uh, this, this episode. Um, but before we go, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners? Uh, I would just say if you're, if you're thinking about getting a Porsche and uh, you, know, you see something come up, like, like you guys, you and Steve always talk about, you know, just, just get whatever comes up. Um, you know, it's going to need, especially if it's an older car like this, it's going to need some work, but, but you can budget for that and you know, it's going to come and, and, uh, you know, you can kind of make the car your own, I think in that sense. Um, and that's the beauty of, of cars like this. Yeah. And I think you're, you're doing it in the right way. You, you're getting the things that you can't do yourself done by a professional, by a Porsche specialist. Uh, you, you're sort of timing the things that you need to do first. You know, you do the important things first. Um, you're going to keep the car for a while and then, you know, eventually it's just going to be exactly how you want it. It's going to be yours. Um, and I think that's that's a really, you know, great way of doing it. Um, but anyway, I think everyone should go and look at uh, Jeff's Instagram because his car, you know, it looks really, really good. The paintwork looks good. Um, good images. I'm glad you started that Instagram up, Jeff, and you're starting to document it. I like your posts as well. I like how you write in the description and you tell people what's happening. Um it's it's a good page so keep that up because yeah, it's, it's good for people getting into the brand and getting into looking for a boxster and i think it really would would help a lot of people yep yeah i appreciate that yeah it's a great community i the, the facebook groups uh, 986 forum you know rent rent list they're all it's great if you want more information so yeah i'm hoping with the instagram i can help someone out you know if they're they're trying to do some work on their own car they can see that it's possible and, and dive yep. into it yep. fantastic thank you jeff Yep. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, that's Jeff coming in from San Diego. This is Owner Stories number 28. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye.